<sighs> okay, here we go. My guest on this episode is Dean Dwyer, author of the book Makeshift Happen, creator of the Extraordinary Willpower Course, and the host of The Mindset Show. He's a former educator who now spends his time teaching others how they can be successful in their own lives to change how they look, work, and live. My name is Coach Brock Armstrong, and it's time to get your second wind. But before we talk to Dean... As you've probably noticed, this podcast is no longer in production, but there are so many people who are still listening to each episode and reaching out to me for advice and help and support that I've decided to keep the dream and this podcast alive, which means I'm paying a few maintenance fees out of my pocket. And I don't mean to make this sound like a woe is me kind of affair, because it is indeed a pleasure to have created something that is being appreciated. But... If you felt so inclined, you could go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee to, yes, as it sounds, buy me a virtual coffee. And since coffee is easily my biggest vice, I'm what you would call a coffee snob, if you buy me a coffee, I can pay my hosting fees with all the coffee money that I save. So win-win situation here. So go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee and help keep this podcast and my fancy coffee habit alive. That's brockarmstrong.com slash coffee. Dean Dwyer is on the line. Dean Dwyer is on the line. <laughs> like that? That's how I'm going to introduce there you. We, there we Dean go. Dean Dwyer is on the line. Dean Dwyer is on the line. <laughs> so Dean and I met, oh man, was that 2011, I'm going to say? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know exactly when we met. 2011. I was living in Toronto. Dean's still living in Toronto. I've moved across the country since. So I, I think it was around 2011. We met through a mutual friend and quickly discovered that we have many of the same interests, many of the same uh, uh, penchants, shall we say. Whoa. Mm-hmm, yeah. I even said it the fancy French way. You didn't. <laughs> but I, and it's been a, a constant friendship ever since. And I think one of the kind of coolest things of actually knowing somebody for as long as we've known each other and, and really kept in each other's business is being able to see the evolution of the way that we think, the way that we treat our bodies, the way that like all of the good stuff that goes into becoming someone who is, I guess, successful in both mind, body, and spirit. Will I, can I say that? Are you feeling confident with your spirit as well? I am feeling confident with my spirit. Thank you for asking. So that is a, a really good reason why I wanted to have you to be the first guest on this brand new fitness podcast with Woo-hoo. me is because I think we we have a lot of ideas that align. We have a few ideas that don't align at all, but we definitely have the same sort of outlook on our aging. Like me turning 50, you turned 54 Year? Uh, thank you. But 55, I'll be 56 55. in September. Ooh. So, yeah. so like, as I like to call it, we're both in our second half of our first century on this planet. So, which puts us in a very specific kind of mind frame, kind of, kind of set of people that 
we look after ourselves in a different way. I really think when you get into this, this kind of um, part of life. So yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation because we know each other really well and we we definitely have some ideas that align, but I know we're going to uh, butt heads a couple of times. So Dean Dwyer, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to just give everybody just a quick little overview about yourself? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I uh, I can't believe it's 10 years that we've known each other. I was like, wow, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I said, I still, uh, I still remember we met up uh, in the distillery district, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, for that had some asparagus wrapped with bacon oh i don't remember that oh i'll never forget those those are freaking good <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry what was the question i you asked me to introduce myself yeah yeah oh, okay. just a, a quick little high level thing i'll uh, of course put all the links and stuff in the in the web page and the show notes to go along with this but just for the people who aren't in front of their computers yeah no i um I, I'm not sure the the easiest way to describe what I do, but which is kind of why I wanted you to do it because I can't think of an easy way to describe what you do either. Yeah, you know, it's one of these things that continues to evolve as I continue to get further and further down this path. Um, you know, I, I I think the the way what I'm presently sort of and the way I'm positioning myself at the moment is helping people build what I call uh, their version of a successful body. Right. Um, you know, at 53, I sort of reached the crossroads with my health and my physique, and I wasn't happy where I was at. And it had been something I'd struggled with my whole life. And sort of looking back at all my successes that ultimately ended in failures, because I could never sustain any of these things, was sort of, I, I put together sort of this list of principles that I had been violating and these principles that I wanted to start implementing on a consistent basis, I managed to finally create the transformation that I had long hoped I could. And I've been able to sustain that now for uh, two years coming up on the 19th of July. And uh, I've started sort of sharing my, I'm going to put this in quotation marks, but my secrets, but the way that I think and the way that I approach this, because I, I feel I've done something at an age when most people feel that this kind of transformation isn't possible. Exactly. 55, going to be 56 in September. And I want to sort of open up the possibilities that exist for people that most of us feel that as we age, it's like, this is who I am and this is who I'm always going to be. And I, I don't buy into that, that whole um, stereotype at all. And so, uh, yeah, and that's kind of the stuff that I, you know, the content and stuff that I put out is all about the fact that we have, tremendous capacity to change who we are to to sort of you know get ourselves to a point where we're really happy with what we've created for ourselves yeah and the thing that makes it really interesting the way that dean is is doing this it's not through some sort of brute force willpower driven barely clinging on five days a week hitting the gym for 90 minutes and and absolutely destroying yourself that way which i think is still really the predominant message that if you want to see the kind of change or the kind of successful body that that Dean is is talking about that that's the that is really the sort of narrow minded vision that people have is like well you know I really do want to lose weight I want to get stronger I want to be more capable but I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time for this. I don't have the energy. I don't have the motivation or I've done it in the past and ended up injured and stuff. So this is the way that you're approaching it is so much more reasonable. I'm going to use that word. 
Yeah, and that's and that's intentional. I think that was one of the things that I realized. Uh, I, I sort of wrote down as you were talking. You know, this idea that we kind of redline behavior, right? Like we we've been taught to everything is sort of taken to this drastic extreme. You know, you have to no carbs, no yeah. sugar, yeah. gym every day, run a marathon, like, thirty yeah. days for this, fifteen days for that, and, and none of these things. You know, none of these things are sustainable long term. So for me, it was about how do I create something that's enjoyable, that just fits into the context of the life that I live, whether I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here at my place in Toronto, or like, you know, for the last five days, I was at a cottage up in Halliburton, everything I do travels, you know, and, and it's, mm. it's not, it's not based on extremes. It's sort of, for me, it's the opposite. It's like what I call my minimum viable threshold. What's the least I need to do to get the results that I want and really working at staying at that minimum, you know, my MVP, right? Staying at my minimum viable threshold and just doing that, not just for days and weeks, but for months, years, and then eventually decades. So I've heard you call yourself more than once, actually twice just this morning. Um, you've called yourself an extreme junkie. So I think maybe for context, before we get into more specifically how you're structuring your your lifestyle now, and I want to chime in with how I'm sort of doing this the similar thing, can you just give us a sort of the the history, the, uh, the evolution, let's say, of your your fitness plans and your your programs of the past? Yeah, so so I was fifty three, and this was uh, the beginning of July fifty three, and you know I sort of figured out that I kind of go as my body goes, and for me, what that means is I was all, I always had this image of what I felt I could create for myself, and I could never. I would get close, but the wheels always fell off. And I, I was, I, I was looking, you know, I was getting really frustrated and I was at a point again where I just didn't like what I had created for myself. And I thought, I got to figure out a way to fix this. Well, and let me just say like, yeah. when I met you, like back in 2011, when I met you, you were buff. Uh, yeah. You, you were know, buff and you were lean. Yeah. You did not look like somebody who was struggling in any capacity with their physical appearance or their f- physical fitness. Right. And, and what was interesting, that was by far the most successful time that I had up until now. And, you know, and, and during that was sort of how I became known to that, you know, I was in the paleo space at the time, you know, I, I had spoken at paleo effects a number of times. Yeah. That's a health and wellness conference that's held in Austin pretty much every year. You know, I, I had created my following there. I wrote a book and then I think a lot of people could probably relate to this is I had success. And over time, I eventually, and it, and it took a couple of years to kind of, you know, I sort of slowly devolved <laughs> back to where I once was. And so, and then, you know, and then I had fits and starts in between that sort of five or six years, uh, you know, where I, I started, you know, doing other things and, and kind of starting to get close. And again, wheels kept falling off. And so, in July of 2019, I thought, okay, like what are all the commonalities from all of all of my failures from the past? Because they were all failures for the simple fact that I wasn't able to sustain the results long term. Yeah, so, they were temporary. Everything yeah. that you'd done in the past, and and I'm exactly the same. This is that you could be telling my story as well. Yeah, I think I'm telling a lot of people's stories. Right? We've all had we've all had successful moments in in, in all aspects of our lives. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, well, what are like, what are the commonalities from all of those things that I can use this time around so I can do something different? Because, you know, um, you talked about the extreme junkie thing, like the way that I would do this in the past is I would jump into something 
that was way beyond what I was currently doing, whether it was exercise or, you know, like there was a program I did that was on TV. You know, I, I, you know, it was on an infomercial. It's a great P90X by Tony Horton. It's a, it's an amazing program, Mm -hmm. but it's really extreme. It's at least 45 minutes and you're doing it at least six times a week. And it was for 90 days. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I was always attracted to. The problem with that stuff, and I didn't even realize this at the time, but I remember when I started doing it. So it was 90 days. And I remember I did the first one and I said, 89 days left to go. Yeah. The countdown clock starts the minute you start. Yeah. Yeah. And the moment that you introduce a countdown clock, you're finished. Because what happens is when you get to zero, then you like you've basically conditioned yourself to get to zero. But when you get to zero, you've got nothing left. Yeah. That was sort of that was one of my moments as I thought, okay, I always gravitate to the this extreme stuff. Extreme is not sustainable long term. So I've got to figure out something. Like I thought, what if I just did, you know, the minimum I needed to do, but I use time, I leverage time differently than everybody else done. Everybody else wants to do what they can and get the results as fast as possible in as short a period of time as possible. Which is so misguided. It's, yes, it's it is. completely like if there was, if we actually had the ability to check off, get fit from a to-do list and actually like it would just maintain itself because we hit that, then sure, that would be a logical way to think of it. But it's, we know that it's not, it's something that has to be maintained. So the whole premise of getting fit as fast as possible in some sort of uh, ridiculous attempt to check it off of a to-do list or to not have to think about it again or something like that is so, I don't know where we went so wrong in our thinking around that. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there are so many false beliefs out there that we believe to be absolutely true and that just, again, don't actually ensure that we have long-term. There's short-term success, and I had lots of those short-term successes. Yeah, me too. I had no cases of long-term success, and so that's what I wanted this time. And I wasn't even thinking about it. Like Just speaking for myself, I wasn't even thinking about long-term success. I was just thinking, and and for me, it wasn't P90X. It was signing up for marathons and triathlons. And again, that countdown clock starts when you sign up for a race because the race is on a day in the future. And when you cross that finish line, it's literally over and that's, that's the end of it. So yeah, like it it wasn't even a matter of, well, it was a complete matter of not even considering the fact of what happens next. Yeah. And I had never, like, I had never thought it was sort of like the P90X, right? It's a 90 day plan. I hadn't thought about what are you going to do on day 91? Like, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Right. So I took sort of all those. So the ultimate lesson that I came away with when I sort of reflected on my past was there was one commonality with every failure that I had. And that was whatever the vital behavior was that I was doing, I stopped doing it. Like for some reason, I just thought, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. And I realized that's the kiss of death. That So this time around, the evolution of my program was I thought, okay, Initially, this started as a weight loss journey, but the more I got into this, I realized that this actually, weight loss is a symptom, that what I need to do is I need to start thinking of myself as a behavior investor, is I want to invest in not a gazillion things. I just want to do a few things, but I want to do them for a really long time. So for me, it was about what are the vital behaviors, the the, the ones that will move the needle the most, figure out what those are, and then just show up every day and keep doing those, but do them not just, like I said, not just for days and weeks, but for months, years, and decades. 
And the way that I think about this is I'm compounding consistency. So everybody talks about consistency, but I don't think we really understand that. I think it's one of the most powerful free uh, things that we have access to that we do not utilize because we don't really understand what it means. We know we understand what the word means, but we don't know how to apply it in our everyday lives. Yeah, I think consistency has been bastardized into being a run streak or you have to do this thing every single day. Otherwise, you're not consistent. And if you do miss one of those days or if you fall off the consistency, then, then it's, it's, it's over. You're screwed and, and you may as well just quit. And consistency is so much more flexible and realistic than that. Yeah. And, and this might be one of the areas where you and I, uh, you know, we have the way that we view this differently. Uh, or not Sorry, not that we view it differently. No, I think we both align on the idea of it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think your version of consistency is is a little more on a daily basis. But I, I think the the sort of all or nothing thinking or the flawed all or nothing thinking is still still there, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No. And I, I think that for me, I mean, I sort of approach so the way I sort of do this, sorry, and I'm 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 probably off on a little bit of a tangent, Brock, compared to your first question. No, I think this is it, it we we've leapt down my list of questions, but I love it. Okay. So, you know, I think consistency is is like a this secret weapon that, you know, if we if we can figure out the behaviors that move the needle. Now, I I tend to use, I I prefer daily behaviors versus intermittent. Now, that's just the Dean thing. It's not to say that you can't do something five days a week and and also be equally successful. I think part of of my program, and even what I teach other people too, is we have to design something specific to us, that we have to stop taking these prescriptions that other people have designed for themselves and then say, okay, now I got to make this somehow you know, the square peg into a round hole kind of thing. It's like you take the prevailing concept and you have to first either buy into it or just think that it's complete nonsense. But if you buy into the idea of compounding consistency, then it's like, okay, how am I going to apply this concept to my life? And so I do it in a, in a 24 hour period is every, essentially what I've done is I've, I've, I have designed my ideal day. It's like my groundhog day, but a positive thing. (laughs) I've got my groundhog day. My job is to show up every day. And I have these 10 vital behaviors that I do every single day without fail. And then at the end of the day, I give my, you know, I, I, I have a scorecard. I, I call it a scorecard for success. Give myself a score out of 10. And then, you know, I pull whatever lesson. So let's say I get seven out of 10. I figure out, you know, what happened? Why didn't I get 10? And then the next day, it doesn't matter what happened the day before. As an example, yesterday, I got 10 out of 10. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. I don't care if I was perfect or I wasn't perfect. Today is a new day and I start from scratch and I'm just showing up and it's like, these are the things I want to do. And I said, my job is to compound consistency, is not to outthink myself, not to start saying, like not to get, distracted by hacks and all these, not to say I'm not researching and looking for the best ideas out there, but I, I'm not getting distracted by the noise. I'm not getting distracted by, well, the latest study says, I, I don't care about the latest study. I, I'm really just sort of focusing on sound ideas that I test out for myself. And if they work for me and they get me the results I want, I just keep doing them. And so it's sort of showing up every day and just doing these things I've identified that move the needle for me. And so yeah, that's sort of where the whole, you know, I said, I call it compound consistency. Yeah. T- today is day 720 of my journey. So every day in my journal, I write down, so today was day one of 720. So it's always day one for me. It's always like, okay, here's the perfect day. I show up tomorrow. So nothing fancy, nothing crazy. It's not extreme. 
I just show up every day and it's like, okay, do the day that you know works for you and give it a, you know, give it, give it a grade at the end of the day, learn, learn the lessons, extract the wisdom, and then roll that back in. And tomorrow I'm going to shoot for perfection again. And whatever happens today happens today. And then I'll deal with it again tomorrow morning. You know, it sounded like we were, we were kind of at odds because I look at it on, on a sort of bigger time frame, I guess, but the way that you sort of have positioned it as a 24 hour period that you're going to be consistent within that framework in and of itself goes back to the conversation we were having previously, where if you're building something that can be done in each 24 hour cycle, you have basically eliminated the possibility of getting to 30, 60, 90 days. And then having that question of, well, now what, because you've established now what, you know, what now what's going to be because that 24 hour framework has already positioned you to answer that question. So yeah, as much as I I don't necessarily have exactly the same sort of scorecard or the same sort of uh, approach to that, it is thinking in terms of months, years, decades, rather than rather than just sort of 30, 60, 90 days kind of thing, or to the next race or, or whatever I'd been doing in the past. But I want to circle back to something you said earlier. You, you actually brought up a really important point. You said that your journey originally started as a weight loss journey, but you sort of implied, in, and I'm going to read into a little bit because I know you, you implied that that has changed. So how, how has that changed? Like you started off with an idea of, I need to lose weight or I want to lose weight. Um, I think you used the phrase, my mind follows as my body goes. No, you've got a more eloquent way to say it. Yeah, and my life goes as my body goes. Yeah. So so you started off with this goal of, of really just losing weight, and it sounds like this has changed. So how did your mindset change? When I started, I started the way I always do, right? Was that, you know, and we all know sort of, you know, we all can sort of when we sit down, we say, oh, I'm probably, you know, X number of pounds heavier than I want to be. And if I can just get- Or that I was in college or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, yeah, because we've got some weight. Because I, I sort of picked 25 pounds because I remember second year university. So I was about 195. And I remember in second year university, uh, I got into decent shape and I was 169 pounds. So I thought, wow, it'd be kind of cool if I could, like, if I could lose 25 pounds, I think that would, you know, that would make me happy kind of thing. And so that's how it starts. Yeah. I have my Ironman triathlon weight that that's always sort of <laughs> the thing that I, I look back to when I'm in those low moments of like, oh, if I just got back to Ironman weight, then I'd be happy. And it's like, no, no, I was not happy then. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you, I, the more I've gotten into this, the more, first of all, for most of us, whatever weight we lose doesn't bring the happiness necessarily that we think it's going to bring. And yeah, of course. For, for me, it was sort of understanding that that weight gain is a symptom of something bigger. And for me, there's lots of there's lots of things that 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 sort of fall into this. But what I ultimately discovered as I sort of started thinking more about this, and I said I because I was I was thinking beyond that sort of 90 day, like, you know, like because initially when I started this, it was kind of a 90 day journey. But I'm like, okay, that's first of all, my timeline is way too aggressive. I need to sort of expand this out you know, sort of, you know, at least almost, you know, eight months to a year. Like I need to give myself enough time to be able to sensibly accomplish the goals that I'm looking to accomplish. You said something so interesting and so okay. profound that I actually wanted to, I was dying. I was, I was actually typing and I hope the listeners at home couldn't hear me going. Dick, dick, dick. I could hear. At one point you said that, that weight loss is a side effect 
And just now you said that weight gain is a symptom of something greater. And I, I love that juxtaposition there, that gaining weight is actually a symptom of something greater, that some, something outside of just you're not doing enough exercise or you're eating too many sweeties or whatever. But weight loss is actually a side effect of the things that you change in in your lifestyle. Otherwise, I absolutely love framing it that way. If we're going to talk about weight loss and, and weight gain, I think I framed this whole conversation of being, I don't want to talk about weight loss because fitness is so much more than that. And I really want to focus on the benefits of movement and exercise and stuff outside of weight loss. But this behavior aspect of it is so important. Can can you explain that just a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. And that actually does tie into the, the the thought that I did want to say, which was, you know, as I started looking at this, was that understanding that, that I said, it starts off and it's like, oh, if I could just lose 25 pounds. But the truth is, if you focus on that, if you focus on the outcome, we do crazy things to try and make that happen. And for most people, it's like some sort of calorie restriction um, suddenly going to a gym, I'm going to work out, you know, an hour a day or whatever, like an hour that they did, they didn't have before that suddenly magically opens up. And like, we just do all these crazy things. And um, for me, it was about the more I started thinking about this, I thought it's, it's something I alluded to before. If I, if I start investing in the right behaviors and I continue to do those behaviors on a daily basis, what I need to do and what my ultimate problem is, is not my problem is not that I've gained weight. The problem is I don't know how to manage the behaviors that I decide to invest in. Mm-hmm. And so it, it goes back to this, like if I'm going to do something, the first question I have to ask myself is, can I see myself doing this every day for the next year? And then if I can answer yes to that, then it's, well, what about five years from now? Because the ultimate goal is if I'm investing in something today, I should be investing in this for the next 25 years. That's the way I need to be thinking about this. Now, that's not to say that once I invest in something that it's it's not going to evolve, like it can evolve and it can change. But going back to the P90X, the problem was not the, there's some great exercises within that. My problem was sort of getting tied into this idea of this super extreme workout that had to happen 45, at least 45 minutes a day. That was just, didn't fit for my lifestyle. And so this really, ultimately, I said, it started out as a weight loss journey. What it has become is a behavior management journey that I just need to figure out again, what it is I'm doing. And then I've got to figure out a way to sort of score myself on a daily basis in terms of how I'm managing myself. And if I can find the right behaviors and I can manage myself, then all the other goals that I'm looking at you know, whether it's, 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 you know, to improve my fitness or, you know, to, to change the shape of what my body looks like. If I invest in the right behaviors and I can manage those, those other things will happen as a result of the investments that I'm making. Right. Now I want to get into the mindset that comes along or maybe precedes this sort of a a philosophy and keeps you on track. But first we need to pay the bills. We need to pay our membership fees. So We'll be right back. Do you like to shop on Amazon.com and enjoy supporting this podcast? You do? Well, have I got a deal for you. If you start your Amazon shopping adventure by going to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon, I will get a small percentage of the money that you spend. And the best part is that you don't pay anything extra. This all comes out of their pockets. Take that, Bezos. 
So next time you buy anything on Amazon, go to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon and shop while also supporting this podcast. I truly thank you for being a listener and for your support. That's brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon. So I think one of the things that we often forget, and and we've alluded to this a few times, or actually came right out and said it, not just alluded to it, in the past, is we we have these sort of narrow-minded visions or or these sort of very society-constructed ideas of what our bodies should look like. And, and we tend to use our fitness and our exercise routines to try to align with those. But that doesn't create consistency. That doesn't create... That's the reason I think is that a lot of people lack motivation and they're always looking for motivation and trying to find motivational quotes and just focused so much on willpower and motivation and blaming that when they fail and also looking for that to succeed. Instead, it sounds like you and I are in alignment with the idea that we changed the way that we look at what we want our bodies to actually be able to do, to function, to just move through this world. So, so how do you actually like, what do you use to measure your fitness or, or what do you really want from your body at this point in your life? Um, it's not just to have six pack abs and look like the guy on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> No, because yeah, yeah. No, I mean there there is certainly a vanity component to this for sure, right? Like, like you know, it's, yeah, we're humans. That's yeah, it. yeah. Like we want. I kind of for myself, I call it body confidence, right? Because again, when I because I see this um, as a management issue, when I get myself to a place where I like what I've created, it it uh, there's a confidence that comes with that that I'm I'm able to be in control of my own behaviors and stuff like that. So, and just to, just to be clear, like, I, I don't want to make it sound like I, I, I think some people may be hearing that and, and may think, Oh, Dean's got a, a, an eating disorder or an exercise disorder. You can only feel confident when he's 2% body fat or something. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about having this functional ability and the, the strength of, of, of body and stuff to that then carries into the rest of your life. It's not a, I need to be this amount on the scale and and this amount body fat. Yeah, no, and that's a, and that's a good point. I w- I was talking to somebody uh, uh, recently, and they yeah they threw out some term. I can't remember the term they threw out. Some sort of disorder, or whatever. I said no. I said it isn't that. I said it's a body dysmorphia or yeah, it was something like that. And I said no. I said that's that's not it at all. Actually, because for me, my frustration was always I saw this as a management issue, and I just couldn't figure out how to manage my own behaviors. Even once I got into this, I realized again, like having a, a set goal weight is like my body is going to weigh what it's going to weigh. Right. It's it's not about setting some arbitrary number. It's about just again aligning the behaviors that I'm looking to adopt that I think will help me achieve my goals. And I'm really thinking now, again, being 55, is that I want to be able to, and I used this with you earlier, where I said, like, I want to sprint into my 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I truly believe that the way that we think about aging is completely, uh, the reason we fear aging is because the generations that have preceded us, and they came from a different time, but, you know, like, taking care of their bodies wasn't something that was sort of one of their top priorities. And so we deteriorate over time. And so in terms of how I measure my success, Brock, is that, I don't want to deteriorate. So I'm trying to invest in exercises and eating habits and those sorts of things that allow me 
to continue to be like my own healthcare system, right? I don't want to wait for something to break and then have to try and, you know, and have somebody fix it. It's like, I want to be proactive with this. And so it's really about stuff that I can do. And so my, my measuring systems are pretty primitive. So I only do 10 minutes of exercise a day. Really, the way that I approach this is I'm doing 10 one-minute activities. But I'm, I'm not just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. I'm trying to be selective with the activities that I'm choosing so that I get the greatest return on my investment. So uh, as an example, when I wake up in the morning, one of the first things that I, I do is I will do uh, pull-ups. Pull-ups are something I, because I just believe that a healthy body should be able to pull their own body weight. In fact, actually, it's not even my, like that idea is not, is not mine. It, it comes from a guy, his name is Earl Lederman, and he wrote this about a hundred years ago. Hmm. And he said, I forget the name of his book that he had it in, but he said, you know, like, like a human body should, you know, you should be able to pull your body a certain number of times. You should be able to jump. Um, a certain height, you should be able to press your body a certain number of times, you should be able to swim a certain distance, you should be able to run, you know, a certain speed and a certain distance. And I thought, you know, those are great, like, those are great general sort of guidelines that we should all be governing, you know, like, like, you know, I should be able to, you know, like, in terms of general flexibility, there's certain things, we should be able to sit in a squatted position, you know, for a certain period of time, we should be able to do a standing pike where we bend over with our legs straight and put our palms on the floor. Like there are just general things that we should be able to do. And I think the reason that we fear aging is because over, because we don't work any of that stuff, right? We're not, we, over time, we kind of buy into this notion of like, ah, I'm getting older. I'm supposed to be, you know, uh, heavier. I'm supposed to be, I'm not as strong as I once was. And it's like, why? I, I, I've decided that I'm going to challenge all that, that I'm actually going to you know, I can do more pull-ups now than I, I could ever do in my life. I'm later on, uh, this year, I'm going to start, uh, I purchased a handstand course. I want to teach myself how to do a handstand. So, so the way that I'm measuring at Brock is that there are certain things. I just want to be able to do certain things. I keep it very simple. It's nothing complicated, but I just, uh, each day I'm sort of investing in exercises that allow me to do things that I've identified as important for me as I, enter, you know, the next decade of my life. And that's very similar. I use a thing called a functional movement fitness test when I start working with a new client. And I've been doing this for years. Generally, I'll get them to, if I can't be in the same room as them, most of the time I, I coach online, I'll get them to film themselves doing very specific movements that are like twisting, squatting, stepping, some very basic stuff. So I can see where their weaknesses are and then address those. Because really, like, I'm a very good swimmer. I've been a great swimmer for my entire life. The last thing I need to do is focus more time on swimming, aside from I love to swim. So I do it for, for fun and recreation. But I know I have some, I hate to use the word deficiencies, but some weaknesses yeah. in, in my own, um, in the way that I move through this world. And I think being aware of those because you're actually testing it and you're pushing your body instead of, like you said, just accepting, well, I'm turning 50 in three weeks. What do I expect? Like, no, I, what do I expect is that I'm going to do everything I can to not just let that slip away. I know I can't undo the passage of time. I can't go back to my twenties when I was a ballet dancer and destroying 
the ligaments and tendons in my hips. I can't go and erase that, but I can embrace the best way that I can approach my life now to mitigate that damage I've done in the past and continue to to move forward. So like whether you have that list of <laughs> it was funny that all the shoulds that that fellow put in the book I'm I'm generally averse when anybody says you should be able to do anything I I my first instinct is whoa 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 <laughs> don't should me man but <laughs> He he makes some some good points, and I'll I'll look up that book and put a link in the show notes so people can can go and check that out. Yeah, I don't even know if you can you find the book. I said I just liked it from the standpoint of again, you're, and we all come at this with our own philosophy, right? And so I think it's really important that each of us, like you said, like you, you're you know you're averse to anything where you say you know you should or whatever. And I think that's an important distinction to make for people too. Is you and I are talking about ideas that work for us. I'm a big believer that people you have to sort of. You know, he was saying you should be able to do this. I sort of took the principle of like, yeah, I want to be able to do right. that. Like, these are things I want. It's not because it's like Earl Lederman says I should. It's like, no, no. It's like I take the concept. I'm like, yeah, I really like that thinking, though, of just like sort of looking at things like, what do I want to be able to do? And then I, the things I really like, I pull those and I keep them. I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I, I like that. I'm not doing it because he says I have to do it. I like what he talked about. I like the principle. I'm going to take that. I'm going to steal that for myself. But I'm going to denicize it. I'm going to sort of, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll make it work for me. By the way, denicize, I would totally buy that program. <laughs> I just made that word up, by the way. It, but it I'm going to trademark it. <laughs> it's got to be on VHS tape, though. It can't be online. <laughs> denicize. <laughs> Nobody will be able to play it because who has a VHS machine? But that's not the point. <laughs> Okay, so a little while ago, um, you brought up the idea that you actually have purchased a uh, a program to learn how to do handstands, or to was it inversions in general, or is it actually just specifically handstands? It's a handstand course. Okay, so it's something you've never been able to do handstands, as far as I know, in the past. Correct. Uh, that is correct. So, <laughs> so I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm on trial. That is correct, sir. Yes. <laughs> Address me as your honor, please. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that I wanted to, to get into is like your paradigm, really the, the way that you're approaching the framework that you've set up and stuff is, is very specifically that you are doing things that you enjoy and that you get fulfillment from, and that you actually look forward to doing, but there is an aspect, especially when, well, even really past the age of 30, I was going to say like when you get into your fifties, but past the age of 30, we know from a neuroscience, um, perspective that, pushing yourself to do things like I mean, Sudoku became the thing that everybody wanted to do and, and word searches and all that kind of stuff from a neuroplasticity aspect. We're supposed to do things that challenge our, our brain or concentrate on doing things that we suck at because that actually like if we get good at those or we work on things that we always suck at and as soon as we get good at something, the benefit of doing that thing drops off. So then we should look for something else that we we suck at. I think that is a great way to look at our neuroplasticity, but it's also a great way to look at our fitness. So on occasion, I like to realize that, say, swimming again, I'm, I've am i kind of reached the the potential of my, my swimming abilities. So just continuing to repeat that is fun and, and fulfilling and stuff, but it's not moving me forward. So I, I love that you're actually going to, to do this idea of learning how to do headstands or handstands in in what maybe when you're 56 that's so how often do you actually like reevaluate the things that you're doing and and look for ways to really challenge yourself or really push yourself 
I don't have a timeline for this stuff. You know, I said, I just sort of, I go and when I, when I'm doing my one minute activities, I'm always sort of trying to challenge myself within those activities so that, you know, within the minute I'm sort of, whatever, however I'm doing it, it's not easy. Uh, I'm not, I'm not always going to failure. Sometimes I do, but even that I said, that's sort of an extreme behavior. So for example, like this morning I did a set of 10 pull-ups. Like I, 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 you know, I've worked my way up over time. I can do a set of 10 pull-ups now. The thing I have to be careful of for me is that tomorrow I say, okay, now I got to do 11. Mm. And that becomes unsustainable for me long-term. And it takes the fun out of it. So now- Well, that's not how fitness works either. It's not yeah, a steady no, progression. Like, yeah, it's not. So now for me, it's just, you know, again, sort of finding these, like my initial goal was I thought I'd love to be able to get to 10. But now that I can pull my own body weight, you know, with- relatively, you know, well for, for, you know, my body size and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, what's the next step with this that I want to do? And I, I said nothing, there's nothing scientific about this. It was just, I always thought I, I came across something one time where this is a gymnastics coach who said that the handstand is probably the greatest form of, of strength that you could sort of exhibit. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. But I thought, oh, I kind of like that idea. I thought, yeah, you know what, this would be a great skill to invest in. Like there's so much strength building and balance that goes into this uh, that I just thought it would be fun. And so I think moving forward, I'm going to start investing in projects, right? So like I'm going to commit to doing this handstand over the next, you know, whatever numbers, let's say it's six months to a year that I'm working on building that in. And then at some point, something else will come along where like um, I kind of do a little bit of work on this now, but like a back bridge, I can, I can do that, but not do it really, really well. But I'd like to, you know, and I work it sort of inconsistency, uh, inconsistently, but I would love now that sort of the world is slowly beginning to open up again. One of the things that I'd like to do is find people who are teaching skills that um, I'm not great at and going and taking a, a two or three day intensive course to learn the basics and then be able to come back and sort of build that into my program. So, and and that's an important aspect. Of actually, right there, you're going to build it into your existing program. This isn't in in exclusion of or in place of those behaviors that we were talking about way back at the beginning of this conversation. This is in addition to, right? Yeah. It, it, so, actually, that's a really good point you bring up because I purchased the course a couple of months ago, and the challenge I have is I don't know how to fit it in to what I'm currently doing. And so I still have to think that through. Like, I think a lot of times we, again, it's sort of like when people make the decision, okay, I'm going to join a gym. And it's like, okay, but let's just think this through for a moment. Like, like where's this time coming from? Because you can't, you know, people say, well, it's it's an hour a day. It's not an hour a day. It's actually probably two or two and a half hours a day because you spend all this time all day thinking about, am I going today? Am I not going today? So you burn a ton of energy with that. Not to mention, you got to get there you got to find parking, you got to go in, you got to, you know, you got to find a locker, you're waiting for equipment, you got to shower when you're like, it it ends up being a far greater investment. So, so let's say it's two hours. Where does that two hours come from? That means you got to give up something, right? So we don't really think about it that way. But I did want to touch on, Brock, you said, um, working on our weakest links. And the way that I started, it's funny, because the conventional wisdom is like, like, just focus on your strengths. But the way I think about this stuff is, Uh, with my health is that I kind of think of my health like a chain. And if I have, what is it when the chain, there's a, anyway, one of the, one of the chains is broken. Let's say that there is a a cut 
I, that's not the word I'm looking for though, Brock, but there's a cut in one of the, one of the links to the chain, right? I am only as, I am only as strong as my weakest link. Like I can, I can add all kinds of things to the other links. I can weld and, and put more steel on there and make those links even bigger and stronger. But that weak link is still like nothing has changed with that. So we talk about that in terms of the kinetic chain as well. Like if you're doing a pull-up, let's say you may have all the strength in the world in your biceps and your lats, but if your forearms are not strong enough to actually grip the, the bar, then that is the weak link in that chain. Yeah. So I, I, I just like the idea that, you know, we always sort of focus on the things that we're really strong at. I'm sort of looking at what, like, what am I lousy at that I need to, you know, I want to start working on. I said like a handstand is not something that, um, I have been particularly good at. So I'm really excited about sort of incorporating that into my, into my skill set. And I know that my overall health is going to be improved as a result. And your overall confidence and oh, your yeah. oh, overall it goes abilities. So far, yeah, we we drastically underestimate how this impacts. Like we sort of think of it, um, you know, sort of in a very isolated, like just, you know, we focusing on our health. But that that has a halo effect that spills over into every other aspect of our life. Yeah, it makes me think of there was a study that was done on um, – housekeepers or um, room yes I know room I maintenance i can't even think of what yeah, the, yeah, the term uh, maids. is it was maids they were, they yeah were. i didn't want to use that term because oh, that's it seems like the wrong people who the clean wrong way rooms to, there you go people who clean rooms in a hotel they gave these individuals uh or half of them they gave activity trackers to and the other half they didn't and within the span of the study the ones who were actually shown evidence that they were getting all this movement and stuff in their day just as a byproduct of their job actually lost weight and got stronger and had a boost in confidence and all of this wonderful stuff happened just because they were made aware of how physical their jobs were and they started doing things like carrying heavier loads of laundry or whatever it happened to be that they were carrying and and pushing their bodies a little bit more just because of the awareness it's just wonderful the way that our our personas can be altered to the point where we all of a sudden think of ourselves as being someone who's strong and capable and healthy and and then we start to protect that identity as well and start to do things like make better choices with our meals and stuff because we want to maintain that new identity awareness is such a um yeah there's a we could do a whole other segment on awareness but awareness is so powerful like awareness changes everything when we you know yeah it's wonderful well we could do another show and i'm sure we will (laughs) we've got so many things we could talk about but before i let you go on this episode here i'd love to get what i'm going to ask seeing as you're the first guest here i'm going to set it up a little bit more so people know what to expect in the future i want to get all of my guests to give me their top three workouts. And I'm going to put workouts in some big air quotes right now. If you could see me, I'm doing it with both hands, rabbit ears on either side of my head. What are your top three workouts with a big caveat if it doesn't have to be P90X or something like that, that you think make the biggest difference in, in your sort of fitness, health, movement, lifestyle right now? Can I change the word workouts to mindsets? No. Yes, of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it has a big quotation marks around it, because I, I really, I know that a lot of people are going to have a very different take on this. So, so absolutely mindsets. Yeah, uh, because 
for me, I realized that everything starts with mindset, right? If I want to create long-term success with whatever it is that I'm, I'm doing, whatever area of life, is that first and foremost, I have to change the fundamental mindset that's at, at play. Because if I don't address the mindset, and I think this was one of the things that I realized why I was struggling in the past was that we default to force. And again, force is not sustainable long-term. I can force myself, like P90X, I forced myself to do it for 90 days. Poor Tony Horton. We're just picking Yeah, by on the him. way, it's a wonderful pro- And oh, I really man. like Tony Horton, actually. And I, it's not the program. I said it's uh, uh, his program. Like, the program is great. And there are activities from there that I've stolen that I use for myself. Yeah, it's the way that you used it in that particular part, part of your life that was the problem, not not the workout itself. Yeah, and it's not it's not the program. Yeah, like I should yeah. have ad- I should have modified that for, you know, I didn't know enough about myself and as I said, but it it was amazing. It, it was me really. Like yeah, this all boils down to the fact that <laughs> it was I didn't me, not you. It's yeah, it, I didn't figure yeah. out how to use this stuff. But everything again, it sort of boils down to I have to change my thinking with this stuff. And so the first mindset that I would share then with people, and I said this earlier, was to be your own healthcare system, right? Is to begin thinking about this from the standpoint of invest. And, and what this does for me is, again, it's about invest. I'm, I'm a behavior investor. That's what I am. I kind of think I'm like, like Warren Buffett, but I'm investing in behavior. So I'm always looking for the best behaviors that I can invest in that give me the greatest return on my investment. So that's the first thing. Okay. Uh, the second mindset, that I would, that has been pivotal for me is this idea of like, be the expert on me. So most of us, when we go into this, is that everybody out there has got some program they want you to do, right? And they say, hey, you, you know, do this and, and eat this way and do all this exercise this way. And you're trying, again, it's that sort of square peg into a round hole kind of thing is that well, when I started, I thought, okay, throw out everything I think I know about health and fitness and start again from scratch. And the way that I do this is I run my own experiments, I draw my own conclusions, and then I design something specifically for my DNA. And I don't care. I don't care what the science says. I don't care what anybody else says. If an idea makes sense to me in principle, I will give it a try. And if it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for me. And so, you know, I don't have to rationalize that to anybody. I don't have to explain that. I don't have to say, well, you know, I'm really sorry. It's like, no, it's like, it doesn't even have to be the stuff I do. doesn't have to have any science behind it. As long as it works for me, then it works for me. So it's, it's about really me being the expert on me, understanding why I do what I do, sort of asking myself that question and really beginning to design something specifically that works for me. And what that also allows me to do is I now get to go into all these programs. So let's go back to Tony Horton and P90X. There are some great things there that I really like that I took from him that I use that I put into my own, you know, my own approach to stuff. And and I and that allows me now to start looking at all these, not just fitness programs, but I also read business books and I'm looking at, I'm looking for principles. So I can go anywhere to get them, but I'm designing something specifically for me. And I'm the expert on me. I'm not going to let someone else tell me you know, how I need to do things. And then the third thing. Wait, I, I oh, want to repeat yeah. that. I am the expert on me. Yeah, be that the is, expert on you. And and so, it, so awesome. yeah, it's, it's sort of, again, it run your, you know, is run your own experiments, draw your own conclusions, and then design for your DNA. That's how I, that's my little thing that I say in my head. And then the third thing is to obsess over simplicity is that 
complexity is also not sustainable long-term, right? Even the concept of joining- it's very attractive. It is. We are hardwired for complexity, right? And people love, like, like if I said to you, okay, I've got a course, I've got a half hour course, or I have a three hour course and there's 10 bonuses attached to that. Which one do you want? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want I want all the stuff. Everyone's going to go with, yeah, yeah, I want, yeah, give me the stuff. And it's like, it just overwhelms us. So for me, when I, when I designed my program, I thought, okay, the way I thought about it was I need to design something that a stay-at-home mother or father of three could do while they're raising three small children. That's, that's the way I always thought about this, is that everything I do has to be something that 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 they could do, which means I need to be able to just essentially, it has to be super simple and I can just grab moments here and there where I can do stuff. But we default to complexity. You know, I said, and extreme is an example of complexity, right? We start doing something that's like, oh, I want to do more of this. So I have to keep talking myself off the ledge and say like, just keep this really simple. Simple. Uh, that's exactly what Apple does, right? Apple runs on this whole principle of simplicity. They make their, they try to make their devices as simple as possible, whether you like Apple or not, doesn't matter, but yeah. you know, like they, they, the, they don't the, always nail it. <laughs> no, they don't always nail it, but it's really about making the user experience as simple as possible. And that's what I do is that everything has, it has to be simple. So, you know, just constantly looking at how do I pare this down? How do I make this easier so that I can, again, I can, I can show up and do it not just for days, weeks, and months, but for years and decades. So those are the three, my friend, that yeah. I would, that I said, I've got a lot more of those, but yeah. I think those are the three big ones that I, I think could sort of really help people sort of rethink how they're going about this. You know, to your point of complexity cells, I, I run a, a weight loss program called Wayless um, with my friend, Monica Reinagle. And we actually, at one point, put together a whole proposal of turning it into a book. And we took it to uh, one of the major publishers and and they were really excited about the idea at first. And then they came back to us about two weeks later and said, this will never sell. It's too reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> and people don't buy reasonable. Isn't that interesting? Eh? Oh, it was infuriating is what it was, but it's true. We are drawn to these really complex difficult to achieve, difficult to sustain, all of that stuff. So I hope if people get just one thing out of this almost hour-long conversation that we've had today is like just simplify, break it down and and like Dean keeps talking about that that minimum effective dose or or what's the what's the phrase that you the use? minimum viable threshold. What's yeah. the least you need to do to get the maximum return on your investment? Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dean Dwyer, for coming on and being the very first guest on this brand new podcast. It was great to have uh, somebody that I know so well on here with me to uh, help me sort of ease into this. This is a new and exciting adventure for me. I am super excited for you, my friend, because you've got so much experience and so many things to offer as you enter the second phase of your life, the second of many phases. <laughs> the second half of the first century on this planet. <laughs> I did that all on my own. There was no special effects there. Did you, did you catch that? <laughs> He's a talented man, people. He's a talented man. All right. So where can people find you, Dean? What's the the one place so they don't forget? Where can they go? Uh, DeanDwyer.com. Easy. Nice and easy. D-W-Y-E-R. DeanDwyer.com. All right. Thanks, Dean. Talk to you soon. Thank you.